Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We're in this new series about entering in. Last week, what we said was this. Now what? What do we do after we hear God's word? What's our responsibility? And we ask that, that question. And James 1.22 says this. But do not listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. That you're only fooling yourselves if you think you come to church and you hear the word of God and then you go outside here of this place, this is church, and you live like hell. The Bible calls you a fool. I don't want to be a fool. I want to live and do what I believe. And what we're asking of you, what I'm asking of us during this season is to enter the story to jump into the story that is Jesus' story. Let's start with prayer. Join me as I pray as we get going here. Father, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you that you sent your son to enter this story. God, I thank you that you called us to enter the story, to be your hands and feet, Father God, to love others well. Lord, give us ears to hear and and eyes to see and a heart to receive this morning. But even more than that, God, give us feet to walk it out. Let us be the church that you've called us to be. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. So we're, we're asking, last week what we said, we had a few things that we're asking you to do. Write a thank you to someone. Write out your story, what I was, what God Jesus did, and who I am. To share your story with others. To invite someone into your home for a dinner during this season. To pray with for others. And then the last one that's really difficult is to forgive. In order, what we said last week is in order to do these other things, to be thankful in your heart, to uh, to share your story, there's got to be a place where there, there's unforgiveness is dealt with in your life, which is very, very difficult for many of us. That's what we're called to do. And this week, what I want to talk about is entering the story. It's important that you enter the story. And there's three things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about shoes. I want to talk about hope, and I want to talk about uh, one, those three things. Did I forget to turn that off, Eddie? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> is it warm out there? It is warm. You know what the only repeat, the, the one thing that makes me happy about wearing this shirt is I'm going to sweat. I'm just going to sweat in this thing and just, ah, go saints. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we want to do today. <laughs> All right. Number one, shoes. Shoes. What does that mean practically? It's this, John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. What does that mean? It means this, that Jesus stepped into our shoes. That there's millions and millions of different shoes out there, people's lives. And Jesus stepped right into the middle of it. He understood. He became flesh, fully God, fully man, stepped into their shoes, and it changed the game for others and forever. 
The stories that we see of Jesus stepping into people's shoes is the story of empathy that we see in John 9 with the blind man. And, and he says, I couldn't see. I had no sight. And Jesus healed him. And, and he says, now I see. We see Jesus stepping into the shoes with compassion in Mark 8. And there's a woman that has an issue of blood and she's bleeding. And Jesus has so many things to do. But in his compassion and his empathy, he stops everything to step right into the middle of her shoes. We see Jesus' joy in, in Luke 10 where he's so excited he had sent out the 12 and they came back with these story after story of how they shared their stories. And he said, I thank God for you. There was this joy because he had stepped into their shoes. The sadness of John 11, the one verse, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible, he wept. Jesus wept because his friend Lazarus was dead. He then raised him from the dead, but he was right in the middle of who he was. And even anger is a place where Jesus stepped into the shoes and, and, and was angry in Matthew 23 at the Pharisees because of their religious deeds. And this Jesus that you serve, the Jesus that I serve, is one who doesn't just come and sit outside of himself, but he steps right in the middle of who you are and who I am. That's powerful. It's so powerful. Jesus steps into our shoes and then says this. Now go step into other people's shoes. See, we, we, we want to do this ministry from far away. We want to do this ministry with, without having to touch or, or feel or, or get down into the dirt of it. We want to do this ministry thing and keep real clean. I don't want you too deep in my stuff. Actually, I don't want you to come to my house and have dinner because I don't want you to see what it's really like. As opposed to what Jesus does. So step into shoes. Now, what does that look like? I brought, I brought some shoes today. One uh, TJ's, my son's shoes, and one of my wife's. But here, you, what, what was that? <laughs> the, the back row can't see my toes. That 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 awe that they went with was because you can't see my toes back there. Let me just say, I love my shoes. I have these shoes. They're called Allbirds. I discovered them about a year ago, and they're the most comfortable. They're light. These these are mesh, so they, they don't smell. You know, even though I don't wear socks, they, they stay, you know, just these are the shoes I walk in, and they're so dang comfortable. And the church sits in her shoes that are comfortable because she picked them out. She gets to direct them. She gets to control when you put them on, whether you tie the laces or you don't tie the laces. And it's very convenient to walk in my own shoes. But Jesus says this, don't get comfortable in your own shoes. Walk in somebody else's. And, and, and those look dangerous because it's a 19-year-old boy, my son. And, and to put them on, it's, they're, they're just gushy inside. That, that just, oh, my gosh. They just, they, they just, they're not comfortable. I don't like it. And then there's this thing that, that is, is my wife's. And, and so many times, I, this is going to be good, trying to step inside her shoe and cram my foot in this dang thing is just so difficult and it's it doesn't look pretty it doesn't feel good <laughs> why why are you laughing like that you think it looks pretty it looks great. it's not bad i like the walk i want I, I, I just i want my shoes back see that that's the church and and i, I so hold on to these especially when i see some dirty ones 
gushy ones. I don't want to put my foot in there. What if I get a disease? What if my toes get worse than they already are? <laughs> I, I don't want to put my shoe, my foot in her shoes. What if I fall and trip? It's not like I can play basketball in those. But at any moment, I can do what I want in my shoes. And there's this whole world of different shoes that are walking around that God's called us to step into and understand. And we go, no, 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 no. I really like these. My foot's pretty much formed around them. I, I can just slip them on and off. I don't have the time. I, I, they're just really, really comfortable. But that's not who Jesus has called us to, or what he's called us to do. It's not about the Christian comfort life. I like being comfortable. There's nothing wrong with being comfortable. But, but it's this thing that God just pulls us out of that comfort to step into someone else's life and feel their pain, to feel their joy. To feel their uh, their emotions. And stepping into their shoes means this. That we love the hurting. That, that when I walk by that person at the office or, or a family member, whomever it is that I know is, is in pain, that is going through difficult times in a, a divorce or finances, that, that instead of going, oh God, I don't want to get in the middle of that, God, I, I don't want to, I, I step into their shoes and instead of judging, they go, well, you shouldn't have married that guy. Or, or, or you shouldn't have spent all that money on that house or car or whatever. What I do is empathy is this, that, hey, they made a mistake. I've made some mistakes in my life. And I step right into their shoes and feel and help bear the weight of whatever it is they're going through. Because that's who Jesus is and what he did for me and what he does for you. He says, put on the shoes, step into that place and put on the shoes of those who are unlovable. I, I, I love what Holly, who's back there, and, and, and my mom and, and many of you do. They, they feed the homeless. They, they get shoes for the homeless and, and practical stuff. Now, now, the difference between them and me is this. I'll give them the shoes, but I ain't giving them the shoes. See what the difference is? I'll give Holly the shoes that I don't wear anymore. I don't know if I've ever given I'm not giving my Allbirds. They feel too comfortable. <laughs> but I'll give her shoes so that she can go get the shoes. Don't ask me to come and give my shoes to people who are unlovable. See, but that's not the gospel. It's easy to just go, here, Holly, here, Shirley, take all this stuff and go give it to the unlovable. And I say that, yeah, really? Unlovable? Why is it so hard for us to step in their shoes? I was with a good friend Friday night, and we're in San Clemente at a, at a, at a bar. Don't judge me. And uh, at one, I had two course lights, so don't get all religious. Um, <laughs> we're, we're sitting there, and and this this young lady walks in, stumbles in, and she's we're thinking, okay, alcohol, drugs. Where then we realize tweaking drugs, then falls to the floor. And, and, and you can see people, the uncomfortableness of people. Come on. Ah, not knowing what to do or say. My friend, who happens to be a doctor, she's lying on the floor and goes, I got to go over there. I'm like, better you than me. 
and he gets up to go over to see what is is going on. And and, and the unlovable, everything in my mind, you know, he gets over there, they call an ambulance, she ends up popping up out of nowhere like, you know, Lazarus out of the tomb, you know, and and she's not happy and and just boom, I don't know where she, you know, she's she's gone. But but I'm talking to my, my friend and we're going, what was her life like to get here? It's so easy to go, ah, you drug addict, idiot. As opposed to, what had to happen in her life? How do I step into her shoes and try to understand and love someone the way God has called us to love them? It's not easy. No more easy than than Jesus coming down and sitting with us. Loving your enemies. Those who offend you. Those who hate you. Those who... You know, uh, I was playing hockey this week. Mikey's back there. I love my enemies. Um, we played against each other. I got and and I'm I'm. He's in the back row. You should be in the back row. You're grounded. And, and you know, loving your we're on the ice, and I'm go. I'm nowhere near the goal. He's a goalie. I'm nowhere near. I'm flying down the wing. Now, two different stories: what he says and what I say. But I have the mic, so what I say is true. So I'm coming around. He takes my feet out from underneath me. He says he was going for the puck. At that moment, I have an enemy. Because I fly into the boards, hurt my shoulder, and and, and I get up, I'm lo- I'm, I broke my stick into two pieces. He, he tried to help me. I wanted nothing to do with it. I, I, I didn't want to love my enemy at all. I hated my enemy at that moment. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a foolish story. I love Mike and we talk about it. But, but when someone offends you, how quick are we? How well do we step into their shoes and go, what brought this on? What have they gone through? What have they been through in life? Like that girl in the bar that's on the, on the floor. I don't know where she grew up. I didn't know what her parents were like. I don't know what she has financially or doesn't have. Fa- I don't know if she's been abused, not abused. Who knows? I don't know any of those things. But dear Lord, is it so easy to go, how could she be like that? And the heart of Jesus breaks. And the heart of Jesus breaks. So this is my daughter. Who are you? Who are you? There's this weight that falls on your shoulders when you when you step into the shoes of someone who is hurting, that's unlovable, that's an enemy, when you love the lost, when you step into the shoes of the lost and you realize that, that person, that maybe your enemy that's lost and going to hell apart from Jesus, that you have the ability to go, no, 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 God, have mercy on me. You had mercy on me. How do I not have mercy and how do I not love them well? Yet we do walk by them. Yet the church is full of people like me that don't take a moment to understand, to love others well. Stepping into others' shoes is so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. It's what Jesus did. He says this, you and I are light. In fact, he says, you're the light of the world. Whoa. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. A light, the Jesus light that lives in you, cannot be hidden. 
It goes in verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Notice that last part. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I know Holly and my mom, they go, I don't want you to talk about what I do. Why? Because they want to give glory to the Father that is in heaven, not go, look at me, I'm a great person. It's about giving God the glory, loving others well, stepping into their shoes, feeling the weight of their pain, feeling the weight of their whatever it is that they're going through. Number two is hope. Ephesians 2, 11 to 12 says this. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of the promise, having no hope without God in the world. Look, if you don't remember where you came from, you're bound to repeat what you've done in the past. If you don't remember what Jesus did for you, if you don't remember the compassion that he had for you, if you don't remember that you were dying and going to hell and Jesus rescued you by his grace and you're a change, if you don't remember what you were, you're never going to live into the fullness of what God has called you to be. See, when you keep that mirror in front of you every single day, regularly, you look and you go, I deserve hell and God gave me grace. I deserve to be separated. And he said, no, 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 he gives me eternal life. My sin should keep me out of heaven. But through the blood of Jesus, no matter what I've done, by the blood of Jesus, I am free. And that's the hope that I live in, that I should live in, that the church should live in. And when you live in that place of hope, then it should change the way you step into other people's shoes. In other words, what he's saying in that last is remember what you were before Jesus. You're hopeless. Before Christ, you pay the price for your sin, which is death. Before Jesus came and stepped into your shoes and went to the cross and spread his arms and bled, prior to that, You and I pay the price. Hopelessness. But Jesus comes and we don't pay the price. That's that's what we went through Romans 8. I I keep going back to Romans 8. One, therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what sin you're dealing with, what sin you've done, what sin you're going to commit. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom in Jesus, regardless of what you're struggling with. The hope is in what he has done and what he is doing and what he is going to do. The hope is that I don't have to be like this the rest of my life. The hope is this, that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, that my the old John has passed away and the new John through Christ is here. Doesn't always look that way. Doesn't always look that way, but that's who Jesus is. That's the hope of Christ Jesus. But now in Christ Jesus, you're once far off and have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. The price has been paid for. You don't have to guess. You don't have to ask questions. You don't have to wonder. You know that when you come into this relationship with Jesus, even if you're in the middle of the worst sin of your life right now, when you come into this relationship with Jesus, he has given you grace. He has forgiven you. And he'll give you the power to change through the power of the Holy Spirit. That you don't have to be what you were. You were once far off and been bought, brought near by the blood of Christ. It's 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 what we talked about last week, and um, 
I asked you guys last week to write out your testimony. I gave you a sheet that said what I was, what were you before Christ, what Jesus did in my life, and who I am now. This practice of writing it down makes you reflect. You look in the mirror and you go, man, this is who I was. This is what Jesus did. And this is who I am. And when you look at that on a piece of paper, when you realize God's grace and what he's done, there's something that happens inside of you. See this, what I was, what Jesus did, and who I am is something that I take with me and I speak about and, I, and, I, and, and, and people get to touch and experience. In the same locker room, I play hockey and, and Mikey's there also. Um, I'm amazed at the conversations that take place. Usually because I do something stupid, they go, really, you're a pastor? But it always opens this door. And last week we're sitting there and uh, there's another guy in there and he's like asking me Bible questions. Just random Bible questions. Well, how can this be? And how can Noah be, you know, 900 years old and blah, blah, blah. And, and guys are kind of walking in as we're talking about the question. And that one guy is going to be like, I didn't think I was coming to hockey with the sermons today, but this is great, you know. And they, they ask these questions. And I'm able to go, this is what I was. And this is what Jesus did. And this is who I am. And, and, and they see in between my antics who Jesus is. I encourage you, if you have those sheets, if you don't have those sheets, just write this down. Please, you can do it in one piece of paper. What I was prior to Jesus. It's literally, there's a confessional of, oh God, you saved me from this. What did Jesus do? He went to the cross and died on the cross and his blood washes me clean. And who am I now? I'm a new creation in Christ. What does that look like? What I did before, I don't do today. Or what I did before and did every day, now I do once a week. You know, it's that progression of, of going to and, and, and getting to where God has called us to be. Number three is one. Shoes, hope, and one. Second Timothy 4, 5 says this. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endurance, suffering, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. There, there's so much in that. I don't have time to break all that down. But endurance, suffering, we talked about through Romans 8. You know, uh, fulfilling your ministry, being sober-minded. All these things. But this key, he says, do the work of evangelists. And usually people say, well, do the work of evangelists. I'm not an evangelist. And the Bible clearly says that each one of us is an evangelist. We may not have the title or we may not have the gifting of evangelists, but he's called each of us to evangelize. And that evangelism comes through shoes and hope. Stepping into shoes and bringing the hope of Jesus. That's the work of the evangelist. That's what we do. Do the work of the evangelist is what God has called us to as a church. Not to come and get a pretty little message and get a donut and leave and it not change our lives. That's not it. It's sitting in the shoes. And, and, and my whacked out mind kind of hockey context thinks and it's probably wrong okay that that how i interact with these guys is sitting in their shoes i may be judged for it someday I, my, my anger and my fighting and unkind words once in a while but there, there's something that 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 just kind of breaks down a barrier i, I want to do the work of the evangelist 
not gifting is evangelism, but I want to do the work to advance. I want to preach the gospel of hope. I want to try to step into people's shoes and give them Jesus. Bring the light of hope that comes through Christ Jesus. Bring the hope in the midst of your hopelessness. Be the evangelist that God's called me to be when I go to dinner uh, this Thanksgiving or this, this Christmas. To be the evangelist that God's called us to be. To bring the hope into those places. To do the work that God's called us to. Why? Because it changes the world. I love this. I, I, I did this, it's probably about four years ago, but Robert Schuller um, said this, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. That's pretty profound. If you stop and just think about it. And, and I, I did some research on apples. What does that mean? Okay, any apple, yeah, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not the brightest, but I, I studied the, the University of Illinois agricultural school, so I have a little bit of basis. Come on. It's kind of funny. A little bit. Yeah, no, I didn't study at the Illinois agricultural school. But this is what they told me when I read the article. <laughs> One apple carries uh, a potential to reproduce endless apples. The number of seeds per carpal is determined by the vigor and health of the plant. Different variant of varieties, 7,500 different varieties of apples, will have a different number of seeds, according to my alma, alma mater. Okay. There's, there's two key factors, a couple key factors in this. The vigor, the vigor of the plant, of the tree that's producing, and the health of the tree, and that'll tell us what variety, the different varieties, and how they will produce. I thought, this is really fascinating, and I'm going somewhere. This is discipleship. This is what God has called us to. One disciple carries the potential to produce endless disciples. Jesus poured into 12 men, and today there are over 2 billion Christians across the world. One man, 12 people, disciples, 2 billion Christians today. Vigor and health. Varieties. What, what does that look like? Vigor and health. Vigor is this. I fought the good pulses. I fought the Timothy. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. I've gone through all the struggles that I've gone through. And I'm at the end of my life. And I've preached the gospel as best I can. And I've had my failures. And I've had my successes. And I've had my ups and downs. And I've been in sin. And I've been out of sin. And God has forgiven me. But I didn't quit the race. I didn't throw in. I didn't. I, I, I struggled with right and wrong, and 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 what's good and not good. And but I fought, and I kept fighting, and I'd get knocked down, and I'd get back up, and I'd get knocked down, and I get and I finished the fight. I finished the race. That, that's what he's talking about. That's that figure. That just I'm going to finish well. And finishing well does not mean that you didn't have struggles. Finishing well means that you proclaim Jesus at the end. Health is this. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. A.W. Tozer. What comes into your mind? Health. A healthy relationship with the Father. Health is this. When you hear the name of the God, there's a holy, there's a brokenness. You go, oh, I worship. Or when you hear the name of God, is it on the other side? It's like, he despised me. He didn't, and it, you know, all that stuff. He didn't rescue me. He doesn't love me. He hates me. 
See, health is this. When I dive into God's word and I pray each and every day, it changes my perception of who he is and the reality of who he is because he reveals himself to me in a new way. And that anger that I had because I thought he'd let me down really comes to this place of seeing that God was sovereign over all and allowed things to happen in my life so that he could come along and stand with me in it so I would be the man he's called me to be. Big difference. Health is I look at God's word and I see what Jesus suffered. And I realize that this 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 Christianity that we think is Christianity and, and that means that we don't have to suffer in this world is complete crap. We're going to go through stuff. But Jesus says, I'm with you. And I'll bring the peace. And I'll bring the wisdom. And I'll love you in it. Health is... What comes to our minds when we think about God? And if when I say God, what comes to your mind is that, ah, then renew your mind with the word of God. If what comes to your mind is, oh, I'm I'm just a terrible sinner. God must hate me. Then renew your mind with the word because that's not true. It's not who he is. And when I dig into the word each day and I pray every day and and, and, and he reveals himself to me, it changes me. It changes me. One disciple, a variety, 7,500 apple trees. Depending on which missiologist you talk to, there's between 24,000 and 11,000 different people groups in the world today. I mean, vast. Let's go split the middle. Let's say 17. 17,000 people groups. The importance of you and me is this. There are people that I'll never reach. There are people that you have the ability to touch and reach that I never will. So when you take what God has given you, when you come here and you receive the word of God, when you when there's this help to who you are in Christ Jesus, you're going out and you're the hands and feet of Jesus. When you step into the shoes of your neighbor who's hurting and you bring the love of Christ to them, what you're doing is you're reaching someone I'll never be able to touch. Right. This is why church planning is so important. This is why when, when you got people go, oh, there's so many churches in that area. Well, there can, you know, Starbucks understands this principle. And Starbucks has a Starbucks on every single corner. You go, why so many Starbucks? Because the guy going east goes to the east one. The guy going west goes to the west one. The guy going south goes to the south. The, the, the secular world understands that. But the Christian world, God forbid, we put a couple churches near each other. Oh, we're competing. No, you're not competing because there's a lot of people that won't come here. but there's some people that won't go there and it's not right it's not wrong this is who God has called me to be I'm all right with it and that's who God has called another church to be and they're all right with it and I'm going to reach people that that wouldn't be reached at a big church that that has company seats and they're not metal and there's no wind blowing through and the sound isn't all jacked up and there's there's and and then, then there's you God bless different different varieties touched by different preachers touched by different people so important so important Jesus gives us very clear directives regarding in this situation to others it says in, in 2 Peter 2 9, he wishes that none should perish not one person should perish and he says in Mark 16 Go and make this guy. Go proclaim the gospel. In other words, your life as a Christian is about others. 
It's about others. It's not about being perfect. It's not about not sinning. It's not about all these. It's about Jesus and what he's done in your life and you being able to communicate that and be the hands and feet and step into the shoes of someone else. That's what it's about. One. This was about one we're talking about. Now, let me give you some things here. It's about 7.6 billion, give or take, people in the world today. That's impossible. We cannot do that. U.S. population, 325,000 million plus. Still daunting. Not a chance that this church can, can make a dent into that number. Orange County, 3.2, 3.1 million people. Maybe's, I said maybe, but that's crap. You know, that's not true. We can't, we can't do that. Costa Mesa, 110,000 people. Hmm. Almost like it's starting to become palatable. N8 is this, neighbors. I have eight neighbors. N8 is, well, can I touch the eight people that are around me, neighbors? For some of us, that's, that's just, that's overwhelming. I'm all right with that. How about your family? What if, uh, in my family, there's eight people in my family? What if you just touch them? Oh, that too. So, okay, what about one? Look, growing up, my mom, one person, impacted my life. And my dad later, when he finally got saved, dear Lord, that was a lot of prayer. (laughs) But one woman stood for Jesus. And and look at what's happened. So the world and population, the power of one, Jesus is going all the way. World population, 7.6. U.S. population, go through all that. We go down. But but this is this is over 25,000 people um, have been touched because of her. What does that look like? Mission OC is a, a ministry that I have that I work with. We've planted over 30 churches. Um, Pacific Point, we've touched over six churches over the 15, how many years have been here, that we've helped plant. Champions for Christ ministry is a ministry that is a part of, that we planted uh, 20-some churches in uh, around the, the U.S. Every Nation ministry is another church planting movement that I was a part of that, that planted churches around the world. And when I was an athlete, I was able to touch all these, these kids and, and some adults. My family impacted because of one woman, Bob. You know how the world has changed? One person. And then you see what happens. One person impacted over 25,000 people because she was willing to preach the gospel, to stand for truth, to live the life, one life. Now, I am so underplaying the impact she's had, but I don't care. I'm talking about my life right now. One. If she only touched one person, not because of me, not because I'm a God has used me in ways, and I, I'm, I'm a complete idiot. I don't know how or what I'm even doing up here. I can barely read. I can't spell. I can't. I can't conjugate a verb. You guys know this stuff about me. I, I it just. But but God has used the ass. That's biblical. Yeah. <laughs> to impact people's lives. What are you? I'm, I'm blown away. It's, it's it's one, just one, just one. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. He says, go, go, 
go. Now, let's look at this. If you just reached one person in your lifetime, that reached one person in their lifetime, exponential growth happens about year 15 or 16. If you reach one person that reached one person in their lifetime, in 20 years, one, uh, 1,048,576 people would come to know the Lord. Do the math in this room. One person. The power of one. Now, if you happen to be an overachiever, if you happen to listen to the Bible and believe what it said about you, and you reach 10 people with the gospel of Christ Jesus, who then reach 10 people, who then reach 10 people. In 20 years, 10,485,760 people would have a relationship with Jesus. Are you kidding me? And the church is sitting on her hands and won't step into the feet of people because it's way too much work. God forbid we preach the gospel to them and love them. I might catch something from them. I might fall. I might get hurt by them. Yet Jesus came and placed himself as a baby in the womb of Mary. He put himself into this contained place, being fully God, fully man, have no idea how that works, and was born and, and came into this world and lived the life and, and, and as, as a baby and growing into and, and dealt with all the, the stuff that we deal with for you and me. How do we not share the gospel? It's not convenient. It's not convenient. Oh, my shoes feel so good. With this breeze, it just flows through. You guys can't even smell it. It's going that way. It, my shoes feel so comfortable. They look good, too. They look good. Don't ask me to step into someone else's shoes. Don't ask me to step into my children's shoes and feel what they're feeling. I haven't been good at that. Come on, just, just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and make it happen. Really? Life isn't always that easy. For some people it is. For others it's not. I don't do well in her high heels. I don't do well stepping into her shoes. Slept on the couch twice this week because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I can't step in these things. I trip up and I just, dear Jesus. I need to stand in those shoes. I love her. I don't know what to do. Maybe you don't come back next week. I don't know. I don't care. What I care about is who Jesus has called us to walk with. And if you're called to walk here, I can't let you just sit there and not preach the gospel. I can't do it. I can't, I can't let you come and not feel a little bit uncomfortable because you had an opportunity and you didn't step into it. It's all right. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But the next time it comes around, just step in their shoes. Preach the gospel. And I'm not talking about this kind of preaching with a book or a Bible and standing up here and yelling like a madman and waving your arms. I'm talking about loving people well. I'm talking about being the hands and feet. I'm talking about what Jesus did. Just lay down his life.
for you and I. The power of one. The impact of one. Just one. Watch what God might do. I'll finish with this story, and I've told it before. The power of one. Billy Graham, it's estimated in his lifetime, audience, uh, including his radio and television broadcast, top 2.2 billion people. In other words, 2.2 billion people. That's, uh, I don't have very good math, a little less than half of the world population, but um, third, sorry. Um, but see, I told you I'm not that. <laughs> um, 2.2 billion people heard the gospel of Christ Jesus because of this man. Billy Graham has shared the gospel with more people than anyone else in history. In history. Do you know who shared the gospel to Billy? One man. He's a Sunday school teacher. And, and he shared the gospel with him and grabbed a hold of him and saw the calling in his life. One man poured into one man and 2.2 billion people heard the gospel. Mordecai Ham, a Bible teacher, who thought, ah, I'm just teaching this little kid. I'm just going to tell him about Jesus. This one kid, never in his wildest dreams did he think 2.2 billion people would be impacted because he preached the gospel to one kid. Don't tell me your story doesn't matter. Don't tell me you don't have something to say. Don't tell me that your story of God's redemption in your life. I don't care about all that stuff. Don't tell me that God can't use you in magnificent ways, regardless of what you're going through in life. He can. Just one. Just one. That's what God has called us to as a church. That's who God has called us to be. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard the one whom, who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them that you and me, that you and me, the last part of the scripture says this. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are those feet that come and step into my shoes with empathy and compassion and understand what I'm going through or at least try to or at least have a grace for who I am. How beautiful are the feet who step into these high heels and, and, and can connect with that one that is hurting. How beautiful are the feet who step into the mess of those shoes that are squishy and you know something's in them. How beautiful are the feet that bring the good news of Christ Jesus. How beautiful are the feet that preach the good news. That's the church. That's the church. That's who God has called us to be. So enter the story. Enter the story. There's no way around it. Enter the story. In the midst of your hurt, enter the story. In the midst of your addiction, enter the story. In the midst of your anger, enter the story. Let God do what he's going to do. Don't say, oh, I'm not qualified. You're qualified because of Christ Jesus, not because of who you are. In and of yourself, you're not qualified. But because who Jesus is in you, you're qualified. 
you're qualified. In the midst of the darkest, you're qualified because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Enter the story. Enter the story this holiday season. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning, Father God, for these men and women. Oh God, let us enter your story. God, give us opportunity. God, I don't even have to pray that prayer. Opportunities in front of us. God, give us wisdom and give us eyes to see that opportunity. Give us the boldness to step into it. Lord, let us step into others' shoes and feel their pain or their hurt or their dismay or whatever it is, God, and give us the compassion that you called us to, that we might love others well as you have loved us. God, forgive us for being so selfish. God, forgive me for being so selfish. It's not all about me. It's all about you. God, bless us. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.